So we've been looking at the questions that Jesus asked. And there are many, many questions that Jesus asked uh, in the New Testament. You find all the way through, if you start to read the life of Jesus, he asked many questions. And we've been looking at a number of them. Some very famous, like the one that we picked up on a couple of weeks ago, Who Do You Say I Am? Uh, And others that are perhaps more obscure that you might miss if you blinked. Uh, But he's asking many questions. Today we're going to look at a much tinier one, really, but it's just something that I've been mulling on for some weeks, if not months now, and it comes from Mark chapter 14. And we're going to look at Mark chapter 14, verses 1 to 11. Let me read these verses uh, to you. Now, the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread were only two days away. The chief priests and teachers of the law were looking for some sly way to arrest Jesus and kill him. But not during the feast, they said, or the people may riot. While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of a man known Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them any time you want but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. I tell you the truth, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priest to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money. So he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. Lord, we thank you for your words. We thank you for the truth in it. We thank you for the way that it teaches us and equips us and provokes and challenges us. We pray by your spirit, would you speak to us through your word today in Jesus' name. Amen. There are just three little key phrases that I want to highlight if you're a note taker. You might like to take these and just think about them. But Jesus asked this question, why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing. She did what she could. Those are just phrases that I've been highlighting. Now we know from John's account of this story, you can also read in John chapter 12, that it actually took place just before Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey. Uh, Mark identifies the place, as you heard, as the house of Simon the leper in Bethany. But he doesn't mention the name of the woman. John, however, identifies her as Mary, Mary of Bethany, the sister of Martha. So that Mary, Mary and Martha, the sister of Martha and Lazarus, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. John says that Martha was serving at the gathering and that Lazarus was sitting with Jesus. Now, it's possible, some commentators have said, that Simon, this Simon that's referred to, may have been their father, or at least a close relative. But we can't can't be certain about that. It's possible, 
he may have been healed by Jesus. It doesn't say that clearly, so we we can't be certain. But what we do know is that Jesus is a guest of honour at this gathering. And as he reclines, as was the, the Roman time, they didn't sit at a table, but they reclined and eating, Mary enters the room. Because sometimes, I don't know, as a little boy, I used to read bits of the Bible, and you think, how did that work? Did she go under the table and, you know, and wash, you know, you forget that he was reclining, uh, he was lying out like they would have done around in a circle, and, and so the feet and heads would have been uh, fairly close to each other, which is another reason why you'd want to wash your feet um, and, uh, and anoint them with perfume as well. That's a good thing. Uh, and so Mary comes in and as was the norm, as a guest, he was honoured in this gathering. And she enters the room with this alabaster box of, of perfume. Now, we're told that this perfume is spikenard. That's what it's referred to. That's what it's actually known as. It was some of the most expensive perfume of its day and time, and even today still is. A very expensive perfume imported from India. And clearly, as we read, verse 5 shows that everyone knew the high value of this small container. wouldn't have been a big thing, would have been a small container of perfume. It was the equivalent, we're told, of a year's salary for a regular worker. Now, some have suggested that this may have been Mary's dowry, something that she had, that she owned, as it were, probably almost the only possession that she, she had. If it's true, it certainly would have been pretty much the only thing she owned. But whether it was her dowry or not, it was certainly of great value, and it would have had massive meaning to her and to their family. Now, as I said, it was the custom to wash people's feet and anoint the head of a guest. You would just give it, you know, just a little drop, a gentle rub. Um, That was not unusual, therefore, what was happening. But what is unusual is that Mary goes above and beyond. You might even say she goes over the top. uh, And she breaks this container and pours the contents on Jesus' head. Immediately... Those in the room, it seems, including some of the disciples, begin to criticise her. Again, it's John that records that Judas is the one who's the most vocal about that. We'll come back to him perhaps in a little while. The claim is, of course, that Mary has wasted this precious perfume. She should have sold it and given the money to the poor instead. Jesus cuts in, cuts in to this criticism tells the disciples, others there in the room, to leave her alone. He asks this question, why, why are you bothering her? What, what, what's behind your questioning? What's, what's in your heart? Is really what Jesus is saying. Why are, you, why are you bothering her? And then he makes this statement, she has done a beautiful thing to me. He goes on and he says, the poor, well, you, you've got them all the time. They're always going to be with you but you won't have very many more opportunities to show your love to me in person. And then he makes this great statement, and this is a statement I certainly have been living with for some months now. She did what she could. I want you to really hear that in your heart as you go from this place today. She did what she could. I want to say to you, in case it doesn't come out later on, but I I believe it will, The Lord is not asking you to do something you can't. 
He's not asking you to do something that he's asking someone else to do. He's asking you to do what you can. We need to hear that because some of us are very driven in terms of what we think we should and shouldn't be doing. So finally, Jesus makes this declaration about this extravagant act, possibly without realising it, that it's going to serve as an anointing of his body for his death, which, of course, as he's treated as a criminal, uh, he's not anointed as it would have been in the normal case. And, of course, you will know, if you know the story, uh, on the first day of the, of the week, the ladies go to do what hadn't happened uh, when he'd been taken down from the cross. But, of course, he's already gone, hasn't he? He's already risen. The tomb is empty. But this Mary has anointed him for burial beforehand. Now, as I say, I've been living with this story for a couple of months and, and uh, just felt in our prayer meeting on Monday night that this was the way to go this morning. And there's many things we could draw out of this story, but I just want to draw out two or three things that have stood out to me. It's a bit unusual, it's a bit different, but I, I believe that there are things that God would speak to us this morning. Firstly, I want to say there is the fact that her extravagance was criticised. Her extravagance was criticised. You, you heard those words. Some of those present, verse 4, were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? Why this waste of perfume? Now, I want to suggest that if we're not careful, sometimes that can be our reaction. Maybe in reflecting on some act of worship, or some act of giving, or serving, some somebody stepping way out of their comfort zone into, into the mission field in some way or, or going and doing something extraordinary, you may have thought or maybe you have even said, that's a bit extravagant, isn't it? That's a bit over the top. I was reminded of Michael, King David's wife, and her response to the exuberant praise in 2 Samuel chapter 6. It says, 2 Samuel 6 verse 5, David and all Israel were celebrating with all their might. How much is all your might? (laughs) All their might before the Lord. Um, By the way, just listen to the instruments. Castanets, harps, lyres, timbrels, which is a tambourine, and sistrums, which I had to look up, it's a sophisticated rattle, okay? It's a large metal, metal rattle and cymbals, okay? This is very noisy, all right? Seriously noisy. So people are worshipping with all their might with a whole bunch of very noisy instruments. Verse 12, David went to bring up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of God with rejoicing. When those were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. Six steps. Every six steps, another calf, uh, another bull. I mean, this is extravagance. This is over the top. Every six steps. Wearing a linen ephod, which in modern language is a jumpsuit, uh, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. Okay, this is not my girls take the mickey out of my dad two-step, okay? Uh, this, is, this is not the dad two-step, this is, this is all his might, all his might, the whole of his being, David is dancing before the Lord with all his might. 
while he and all Israel were bringing up the ark with the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets. I'm going to read some more verses in just a second, but when was the last time you did anything with all your might? All your might. Maybe it was some piece of sport. (laughs) Maybe it was in your workplace. I certainly found last Tuesday afternoon, about half past three, I think I had used all my might. Uh, It ran out. (laughs) It ran out. In worship, when was the last time in worship that the phrase that would come to your mind, that was with all my might? Interesting one for us to think about, isn't it? And what would stop us? And what would hold us back? Verse 16, as the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michael, daughter of Saul, actually David's wife, watched from a window. When she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. Verse 20, David returned home to bless his household. Michael, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today going around half-naked in full view of the slave girls of his servants, as any vulgar fellow would. David said to Michael, It was before the Lord who chose me, rather than your father or anyone from his house, when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. You see, very often, our giving, our serving, our exuberance, whatever it might be. I think so often for for myself, but I I suspect for others, we are thinking about what others think. We're thinking about what they will see, what they will think of me. David is saying it's before the Lord. I think that gives us a big clue to this dear woman as she comes to break this alabaster jar over Jesus. It's not about who else is in the room. It is before the Lord. Her eyes are on the Lord's. David said, I will celebrate before the Lord. And verse 22, which became very famous by um, uh, that band back in the 90s um, from Littlehampton, what were they called? Um, Delirious, thank you. Um, From your church, in fact. (laughs) Um, Verse 22, I will become even more undignified than this. I will be humiliated in my own eyes. There's so many things we could draw out of these verses. Just think about them, meditate them. On them, I will be humiliated in my own eyes, but by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honour. Now just hear the echo. Let me say that verse again and then me echo with another verse. By these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honour. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth, whenever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Who is it for? Who is it for? Extravagance of this act was criticised. Why this waste? Let's ask ourselves a question. Well, how much would have been appropriate? How much would have been appropriate for them? What, What would they have liked? Well, you know, just a couple of drops, just to make it nice. Okay, those are at the conference. This is a trigger alert, right, right now? Nice. I think, possibly, that the word nice should be banned from church, okay? I think the words 
nice probably goes alongside the word lukewarm in Revelation chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. You're neither hot nor cold. I had a revelation of that verse some years ago when I heard a dear friend of mine speaking on it because I'd often thought about it. It's like you're neither hot, but actually you're not a hot drink. So you don't warm me up. And you're not a cold drink. You don't refresh me. You're neither of those things. I wouldn't mind if you were very hot or you were very cold because then you'd be useful, but you're neither. You're lukewarm. Just nice. Well, I don't think lukewarm is nice, which is why I say I think we should do away with the word nice. Just insipid. What does he say? Because of that, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. How much is enough for the Lord? How much is enough for the Lord? I suggest that this was Mary's version of giving, serving and worshipping with all of her might. All of her might. I mean, what it cost David, what he was doing, in terms of him as a king, in terms of his self-image, even his physical, dancing and leaping, all of his might before the Lord, she broke the jar over Jesus. I believe that was all of her might. She seized the moment. She did what she could. It was extravagant. It was over the top. It was beautiful. It also invited strong criticism. There will be moments when it's completely right for one or other of us to give with all of our might. In fact, I think there are many more moments than we probably are ready for. Extravagantly, extravagantly and seemingly over the top. But in the midst of that, we need to know and be aware that there will be those who will criticise, even rebuke us. What, what, what do you mean? That's over the top. Why would, you, why would you do that? Why would you give in that way? Why would you serve in that way? Why would you live in that way? It's, it's over the top. You need to hear the word of the Lord of the Lord Jesus to each one of us today, who, whose heart's desire is that we might live before him, that we might give before him, you have done a beautiful thing to me. That's the words of the Lord. You have done a beautiful thing to me. I just want to pick up that phrase that I used there. She sees the moment. This was a moment in time not to be missed. How many of you know moments in life when you think, ah, I should have, uh, I should have said, I should have done, but for some reason you held back from speaking up, speaking out, taking that extra time, just staying there an extra couple of minutes, giving in some way over and above the norm, and, and you find yourself, you say, ah, I should, the moment's gone. Have you used that phrase? The moment's gone. The moment's passed. See, in God's economy, there is time, I believe, for certain things. God will give us time. There is time for certain things. Ecclesiastes, the whole of the book, is really talking about that, a time and a place. But there are also moments to be seized. There are moments when you think, I just, I want to say to you today, I find myself this. If you find yourself being reminded about a dear friend you haven't spoken to for some time, you think, I must, don't put it off, do it then. Do it then. Just text them, just ring them, do it in, in that moment. I saw that, Mike. You're such a wag. 
he made a phone call. Um, they, uh, but don't put it off. You know, you think there's something to be done here. There's a word to be spoken. There's a, I just need to pop round. Do it. Do it. There are, there are moments to be seized. And so easily we can let the distractions of life, work, television programs, other things, put us off from actually being a blessing, being an encouragement before the Lord's. Now others may look on and say, what are you, what are you doing? It's over the top. It's too much. You're doing too much. But no, in the words of David, it's not about what others think. It's before the Lord. It's our heart. I will celebrate before the Lord. And by the way, watch out, because I will become even more undignified than this. How many of us are ready to say to our friends, look out, I'm going to become a bit undignified in the days ahead. It's a challenge, isn't it? I know many of us don't want to be nice, but that's our default. We'll find ourselves doing just enough, just a couple of drops. She broke the jar over his head. I believe in the days ahead that God is going to call us as a local church, and I believe many churches around this nation and the nations of the world, to become undignified in regards to what the world thinks is, this is your slot, this is how, you need to be nice, you're the nice people, be nice. Okay? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus says, what, why are you bothering her? Well, you're, you're coming with a set of values, you have an expectation that she will just wash his feet, dab his head, that's nice. She broke the jar. You've done a beautiful thing, says Jesus to me invitation to some of us in these days and the weeks ahead to do some beautiful things to the Lord. Not to me as a leader of the church, the other leaders of the church. Not for the sake of your name. Absolutely not for the sake of this name of this church, but to the Lord. I've done it to the Lord. That's why scripture talks about doing things in secret. I don't believe it doesn't mean that uh, you never sign a gift aid form because Jill might see it. Jill sees it, I don't see it. You say, I, you know, I won't sign it because she might see it. I don't believe it means that. What it means is, what's the attitude of your heart? Who are you doing it to? Who are you doing it for? David said, it's to the Lord. And I believe for Mary, it was to the Lord. She did a beautiful thing. Her extravagance was criticised, but I believe she was obedient to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. I want to encourage you and exhort you, brothers and sisters, in these days. Be obedient to the prompting. If you hear that little voice, trust it and go with it. You'll be so surprised how over and over again people will say to you, you have no idea how you've just blessed me. You have no idea. I was going through this, I was thinking through this, and your phone call just came, your, your cake just came, your, your hour of serving me just came. Her extravagance was criticised, but I believe she was obedient to the prompting of the Spirit. She seized the moment, and she did what she could. Come back to that in just a second. The only response that really mattered was, why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing. The response was the one of the Lord. What does the Lord say? Does it matter what other people think? It matters what the Lord thinks. We are, and I'm as much as anyone, I am driven so often by what will people think of me? What will they say of me? How will I be seen? Lord, deliver me from that. 
for some application as we draw towards the close and I want us just to break bread together as we finish. Question. Let's just ask ourselves a couple of questions to think. Do I live with a judgmental attitude? What is my attitude to others? Maybe I don't have the freedom that that sister has. Maybe I don't have the joy that that brother has. So when I observe their exuberance, maybe, or what I consider to be extravagance before the Lord, what is my response to them? Do I find myself being critical of others? What a waste. They're making a bit of a fool of themselves, you know. Can I ask you, what's the basis of your response? Why are you bothering them? You might not be saying it directly because you're British. You're, you're too nice to do that. There's that word again. But what's the basis of that response? Think of Michael. Is it bitterness? Is there a bitterness in your spirit? I want to invite you to ask the Holy Spirit to show you the beauty of extravagant worship and extraordinary sacrifice before the Lord. Now maybe, of course, deep down, you are critical against yourself. I know this one myself. You set yourself certain standards. You, you set yourself ways that you, you feel you ought to be or should be. And so you find yourself, I wish I, I, I could do more. You, you find yourself condemning yourself. I'm not like her. I'm not like him. I don't have the gifts. I don't have the ability. I'm not as good. I'm not as able. I want to highlight that phrase again. She did what she could. She did what she could. What is the Lord asking of you? Now, in the eyes of someone else, it may be extravagant, but what is the Lord asking you? She did what she could. What has the Lord asked you to do? Again, I was reminded of a beautiful, beautiful story, also in Mark. Mark chapter 12, verse 41. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor woman came and put in two very small copper coins, worth only a fraction of a penny. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this poor woman, a widow, has put more into the treasury than all the others. She did what she could Brothers and sisters, it's not about the size or amount in comparison to others. It's about the extravagant act of faith and obedience that demonstrates your love for and dependence upon him. It's why I don't... I'm going off my notes. I'm going to watch the clock. But it's why I don't really normally speak on tithing. I'm not against tithing. I'm absolutely forgiving. But I'm forgiving with joy and freedom and in faith. You see, the thing about tithing is that for one uh, person, a tenth is purely pocket money. But for another, she gave everything she had. 
To give a tenth for some is a massive thing. To give a tenth for others is, well, neither here nor there, really. We can do that quite happily. It's a nice thing to do. It's not about the size or amount in comparison to others. It's about the extravagant act of faith and obedience that demonstrates your love for and your dependence upon him. It's not just a couple of drops. It's you break the jar. If that was her dowry, now God, you've got to come in on this. And mine and Jackie's testimony, and I know many others of you in this room, is that time and time and time again, God has come in, in blessing upon us as we have surrendered our lives to him, as we've given to him, as we put him first. Not at the end. What have we got left? Oh, here's a, here's a tenor. That'll do. Now, even as I say the word tenor, for some of you, a tenor is a massive amount. So please don't hear my heart. But for others of us, oh, that'll do. You see, I'm not actually talking about money. I'm not, this is not a sermon on giving right now. I'm, I'm talking about the heart. She did what she could in extravagance. She's Okay. You may be sitting here this morning thinking, I can't teach, I can't sing, I can't, I can't, I can't. Too often we focus on what we can't do instead of what we can do. Some of you here in this room, life is dealing you blows in terms of your age and health. You say, I can't do what I used to do. We know that phrase. Even I know that phrase. (laughs) My head tells me I could do certain things. My body goes, no, no, you can't. But there are things you can do. As you knock on the door of a friend and you sit beside them and you listen. Sure, you can't rush around anymore. You can't do the things that you once did. But there are things you can do. What is the Lord asking of you? She did what she could. And it was a beautiful thing. Because it was unto the Lord, to use a wonderful old phrase. It was unto the Lord. David, it was unto the Lord. He did what he could. He danced with all his might. Unto the Lord. She broke. She gave. See, that's why we're the body. Each one of us is different. Different gifts. As Joyce was exhorting us last week and again at the prayer meeting. We need to use the gift that the Lord has given us. They will be different ones for different ones of us. What is it that you can do? Do it with all your heart, with all your might, not worrying what others think. And if you do, I want to tell you, it will be a beautiful thing. It will be a blessing to the Lord. It will bring glory to him. And it will display the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. It will display the heart of God who, as we heard so beautifully and so wonderfully uh, in the worship, who gave everything that we might have everything. What is Jesus worth to you? What is Jesus worth to you? For Mary, he was worth everything that she possessed. For Judas, he was worth 30 pieces of silver. God has given each one of us a spiritual gift. I believe we need to use 
what God has given, and it will display, I believe, our heart and our value of the Lord's. I want to say this, we must never disregard or devalue someone else's act of service, however small or seemingly extravagant. I want to exhort you, you might say, you might say, that doesn't, they don't look like they're doing very much. You need to ask them. You need to find out where they're at in life. You need to understand before you make that kind of judgment. For others, you might look on and you say, that's ridiculous. It's over the top. But it's to the Lord's. So let's not disregard and let's not devalue one another. All too often, I believe as Christians, we are quick to criticize those who are different to us. I believe the heart of Jesus If Jesus modelled anything, it was an open-heartedness to all. And I think we are quick to criticise particularly those who are different to us, who sing differently to us or preach differently to us or do things differently. We need to be aware of that. My question is, why are you bothering them? Are you doing what you can? Not nice, not just enough to get by, but with all your heart, with as much freedom and joy and faith as you know how, then you will hear the voice of the Lord saying, what you've done is a beautiful thing. And literally as I close, I want to note the deliberate comparison that Mark makes with the story of Jesus, uh, uh, with the story of Judas. We know that the religious leaders were plotting to execute Jesus. They were looking for a way to do it that wouldn't cause the crowds to riot. It's quite possible that Mary's extravagant act was the straw, the thing that caused Jesus to decide to switch teams. John says that Jesus was the most vocal of the disciples, criticizing Mary for what she'd done. But we know from this scripture and from other scriptures, it wasn't because he was concerned for the poor, It was because he was the treasurer of that group and that he had taken some of the money for himself. It's quite clear that Judas wanted to get his hands on that money. So when Jesus condemns the disciples for criticizing Mary, Judas decides he's going to get his money another way by betraying him. Verse 10 says that Judas went to the religious leaders, promised to hand over Jesus for a price. And Matthew's Gospel tells us They gave him 30 pieces of silver to do it. Let me ask you again. What is Jesus worth to you? To Mary, it was everything that she had. To Judas, it was 30 pieces of silver. We're not talking about money here. We're talking about us, our lives. How much of ourselves do we truly give to the Lord? Is it 10%? What if this week you gave 20% of yourself? What if you decided to give 50% of yourself this month? Are you using what you have to bring glory and honour to him who's worthy of all glory and all honour? Are you keeping some or all of it to yourself? My invitation to you today is to follow Mary's example. Ask yourself, what can I do? When you find the answer to that question, do it. Maybe generations from now, someone will be 
talking about your act of devotion, just like we're talking about Mary and the widow today. Can we just close our eyes if you would like to do that? We're going to share communion in just a moment. Some of you, it's a moment just to reflect and consider. Some of you, it's to give thanks for God's goodness to you. Some of you will find yourself challenged and provoked. Just felt, as I was just praying and talking with Ashley, even on Friday, just aware that for some of us, we can hold things in our hearts. We know this ourselves. We can hold bitterness or unforgiveness. We can find ourselves with a judgmental or critical spirit against others because of the way they have been, positive or negatively. And we can find bitterness growing within us, unforgiveness growing within us. I just want to invite you as we come to communion, if you know that's true in your own life, before you take communion, I want to invite you to put that right, firstly before the Lord, to ask his forgiveness. The Bible says he was faithful and just. He will forgive you. It's what his death and resurrection was all about. If you can, I encourage you to put that right before the Lord and before others. If you can do that today, go for it. If this person's not here or it's going to take time and to work that through, I want to invite you to commit before the Lord that as far as you're able, you will do what you can to put that right, either to offer forgiveness or to receive forgiveness or both. I want to invite you today as you come, as Jesus laid down his life for you. It's what we celebrate as we break this bread. His life given for us. His blood, his life blood given for us. I want to invite you as we share communion, as you take communion, as we share it one with each other, different ways. I invite you to surrender your life again to him. And say, Lord, I give you everything. I don't want to hold back. Where I've been holding back in that area, and for different ones of us, it will be different things. Maybe your self-esteem. It may be your position in society. It may be your finance. It may be your time. It may be some other thing. I invite you today to surrender to him who surrendered his all to you. So, Lord Jesus, thank you for these... uh, Examples here on this, this table before us today and all that they speak of, your love and your, your goodness. May we be a people who bring beauty to you with our surrendered lives. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.